The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. And if you have your copies of God's Word or would like to use the one the Pew Bible, if you would turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, just a couple of thoughts before we join together in fellowship out on the uh, lawn area. And uh, we've had a, just a great weekend. We had the... Um, Ligonier Conference, the regional conference here, what a great blessing. And then Lord's Day worship this morning and anticipating this time with you tonight. So, Amy, I'm sitting over there thinking, uh, as you were speaking, of how inadequate and how um, uh, you sense your need, obviously, of the presence of the Lord for the job. As I was listening to Inadequate, and I had the privilege to meet with you on a number of occasions, obviously. And as we have met together uh, during those times, I am uh, just overwhelmed at how the Lord has prepared you. And all of the, uh, the formal training as well as the informal training. And then to see and to experience your leadership is a great blessing. But you need to put yourself in my place when I was asked to speak to the convocation on education. You know, my, my, uh, my, uh, credentials began at East Carolina University, not exactly the Athens of the East. Uh, and, um, as I was at East Carolina University, my sophomore year, I made the dean's list. Unfortunately, it was the wrong dean. And uh, he informed me that uh, I was um, could not come back to East Carolina and play baseball and do whatever else it was I was doing because I hadn't worked in this thing called class or education. I hadn't worked that part in for a couple of years. And uh, so I, um, the dean of students, who was also my baseball assistant baseball coach, informed me that, you know, I really do feel that's somewhat of an accomplishment because pretty much if you can fog a mirror, you can graduate from East Carolina University. But I succeeded in flunking out and on my way to Vietnam in the Marine Corps uh, after that. So um, uh, that's where I began. And now I'm constantly amazed. I'm constantly amazed that I get the privilege to be involved in a congregation that has two wonderful educational initiatives, Briarwood Christian School and Birmingham Theological Seminary. I get the opportunity to serve on boards of three, uh, two seminaries and um, serve as adjunct faculty in a number. And I, I always sit and think, how did I get from there to here? Well, it's obvious, grace of God, God's sovereign, amazing grace. But one of the reasons it's happened is because I realized the role of Christian education in my conversion and in my life. And one of the reasons I'm grateful to be here is because I realized the importance 
of Christian educational leaders and teachers and coaches and counselors. I took stock of my Christian life as I began to make progress and sense God's calling in my life and realized I was going to be involved in education the rest of my life. I'm even called in the Bible. My title is pastor teacher in the Bible. Teacher. And then I took a look at the role of education in Christianity. And maybe the best way for me to do it is to simply read a text. Give us a couple of thoughts. A text of the biography of one of the most amazing men who uh, God called to serve, who was trained under one of the most amazing men that God ever called to train up others. His name was Timothy, and the one that trained him, his name was Paul. And the Apostle Paul, knowing he's going to die, the very last thing he writes is Second Timothy. He knows he's going to die. When you know you're going to die, you're going to write and you're going to communicate. It's obviously going to be to someone special. And Timothy, his son in the faith, he wrote to him. The one that basically he's putting his mantle upon as Elijah did with Elisha. And as he is doing that, we get some biographical insight into Timothy and Paul's heart for Timothy. And I think there are a couple of things there that are more than applicable to you and to me. And I'd like for you to take a look at them. But let's take a look at that biographical note. It's in Second Timothy. It's chapter 3. It's a passage that many of you are familiar with because it's the one that affirms the inerrancy and infallibility of God's Word and that God's Word doesn't come from man about God. It comes from God to man. And that's, of course, Second Timothy 3, 16, 17. But I want you to back up. I want you to back up to verse, um, I'm just going to start at verse uh, 14. He's speaking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, but as for you, now underline this, at least in your mind, continue in what you have, what? Learned. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Note the order. You see, we believe in verbal plenary inspiration. That means we believe verbal. Every word is God-given. And verbal plenary means the grammatical construction, the order of words. There's a reason the law of God comes in the order it does. The fruit of the Spirit comes in the order it does. There is a reason for order in the Scripture. Not only not only the, the uh, vocabulary of the scripture, but the, uh, but the grammar of the scripture is that which God has given to us. Now notice what you have learned and have what? Firmly believed. Saving faith, not empty, vain faith. That doesn't firmly believe. But saving faith, that's God-given. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this saving faith that's a gift of God to connect you to Christ as Lord and Savior, he firmly believes, but he can't believe it until he hears it. He cannot believe it until he hears it. The things you have learned, now you've heard it, and praise God, by God's grace, you have firmly believed it. We cannot give our students faith. 
but we can give them the word of faith. Who God is, what God has done, and what they need to know about him in order to come to him and believe in him. Then look another education word for you. The things you have learned have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Knowing, underline that, from whom you have learned it. Now, in Timothy's case, we don't know who all that was, but we do know it included Paul, it included his mother, it included his grandmother. That's what we do know. So note that they learn, he's to learn it and he is to believe it. Now listen, let me give you a great resting point here. You cannot, and nor should you, uh, think that you can give your students saving faith. You can't. But you can bring them the truth in love. They can hear that they might learn. And your objective, though, while you can't give them faith in Christ, that is your objective. It's not just they get a good grade on the test and you get a good evaluation at the end of the year. You want them to believe in the God of the Word when they learn the Word of God in your class and in your discipline. And then they firmly believe it, knowing from whom you have learned it. That would be you as well as others. And how from childhood you have been acquainted. There's elementary education. There is... Uh, secondary education and that from childhood you have been equated with the sacred writings that's the importance of God's word in the task of education which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus there's the ultimate success of education that they've learned of him from him and they've come to him all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that believer who has heard the word and by the Spirit of God come to Christ as Lord and Savior, to the glory of God and by the grace of God, that man of God may now be complete and equipped for every good work. Someone asked me one time, what is your hope and prayer in every educational institution? And that certainly would be true of BCS, that it would be a great commission school that has a great commandment culture of loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul, and their neighbor of their self, and every student will be able and equipped to walk out of there not only with a new heart, not only with a new record, not only with a new life, not only with a new family, not only with a new home but a renewed and renewing mind where every thought is taken captive unto the obedience of Christ so let me just give you a couple of thoughts you are engaged you are engaged by God's calling in Christian education but if you'll allow me to bifurcate just a minute before we deal with the adjective Christian let's look at the noun education what do we mean by education what is education well that deserves a a whole we could do a conference on that couldn't we but I'm just going to give you a couple of thoughts about what is education period uh, whether it's in what wherever it's found if someone said to me what is it you want an educator to do 
as a teacher or as coming alongside the teachers, taking what they're learning in the field of competition, such as athletics, and, uh, and then are sitting in the counseling dynamic of a school. Wherever you're bringing truth and love to bear upon someone, what is education in general? Well, let me just give you five thoughts about education. Uh, educator, I believe, uh, and true education is marked by this. Number one, you're giving people the ability to observe life accurately and clearly. You are giving them the lens through which they look at life accurately. You're giving them a worldview. How do, when I see that rainbow, what do I think of? When I, and what do I know in terms of God's creation as to how it gets there? And what do I know in God's work of redemption and in the covenant with Noah, why he plants it there? And what is it pointing to? When I see the mountains that have been raised up out of valleys and, and valleys made into mountains and mountains made into valley, how is it I look at this? How is it I look at it in terms of God's creation laws and God's purposes? We give people the ability to observe. In other words, God has revealed himself in general revelation, and God has revealed himself in special revelation. An educator wants people, when they lurk at life, whether it's through the lens of a math class, a science class, a history class, or a Bible class, we want to give them the ability to see that. And we want to give them the ability to process that. Secondly, an educator then gives people the heart and desire when they are observing it through the filter they've been given in education. They thoughtfully analyze it. They thoughtfully analyze it. Thirdly, they come to logical conclusions. Now, our God is supra-logical. Our God is supra-rational. But he is never irrational. And he is never illogical. So we want them to be able to observe phenomena all around them. And we want them, and that when it comes to them, we want them to give a thoughtful analysis to it in education. We want them to come to a logical conclusion and then fourthly, we want them to be prepared to respond to the opportunities and challenges of life. Prepared to respond. And fifthly, that means we want our education to contribute to the formation of their life. We call it lifestyle. We want them to come out with a lifestyle as educators. Now, add the adjective. I will confess to you that I was um, not listening much in uh, my 11th grade English class. I remember the teacher. Her name was Mrs. Swain. She's one of the sweetest ladies uh, that's ever lived. Uh, and um, But I do remember one thing she said. If you want to communicate well, focus on adjectives and adverbs. And remember this, the adjective always and the adverb always controls. So, in a baptism where people are named, you're baptized in the name of Christ. I have all kind of names that I have by virtue of creation. I'm a man. 
Um, I am... Um, um, I'm a man who is a husband. I'm a man who is a father and praise the Lord. I'm a man who is a grandfather, which is God's reward for not killing my kids, but educating my kids. And uh, so here is, that's what I am. In ver- and in God's providence, I'm an American. In God's providence, I have a... Um, I have an ethnicity. In God's providence, I have all that. And in all of that, those names are in my life. And they don't jettison when I become a Christian, but they are all defined by the name at my baptism. I am a Christian man. I am to be a Christian husband. I am to be a Christian father, a Christian grandfather. It is the supremacy of Christ and who he is that calls me to be and do what I'm supposed to do. And what I was named in my sin, I don't want to ever name me now. I want Christ to be exalted. And that's always because of God's grace. That didn't start with me. I was just the beneficiary of God's work in my life. So you're an educator. You want to teach people how to thoughtfully analyze. You want to teach people how to analyze thoughtfully. I'm sorry. You want to teach people how to observe life, how to thoughtfully analyze what they're observing, how to logically come to conclusions, and how to uh, and how to respond to it appropriately, and then finally create a lifestyle that's ever maturing through that educational process. But now that is modified by this. You are Christian educators. You are a Christian educator. That means you're giving them the framework of God's Word to understand life. You want them to see life through the Scripture which is able to equip us for every good work. Not only through the inerrancy of Scripture, but the sufficiency of Scripture that equips us for all of life. I want to tell you something. When I went to college, I will never forget this. I left East Carolina. I got converted, went back to East Carolina, got my grade point back. But I actually found out my head could be used for something other than a baseball cap and a golf visor. That, 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 that became something in my life. And now I said to my wife, when God called me into ministry, I said, you know, honey, I can, I can finish school here. And there's a lot of ministry at East Carolina, but I don't think I'm going to get equipped for ministry. And I began to look. I came down for me to three colleges. I love all three of them, Tacoa Falls Bible College, Columbia Bible College at the time, and then uh, Covenant College. And I ended up going to Covenant College, which at that time was under the unbelievable impact of Dr. Francis Schaeffer and the importance of worldview education, to look at all of world of the world through the lenses of Scripture. And I got there, and I went home to Cindy. And we, had, we had just had Jennifer, our oldest, and I went home to Cindy, and I said to her, I said, honey, you won't believe this. We've got history, Bible, science. I thought we would get, this is a Christian college. I thought I'd get history, Bible, science, math, Bible. I mean, history, science, history, and math, Bible. That's not what I'm getting. I'm getting history, science, math, philosophy, humanities, Bible is the framework, the foundation, and the filter by which I'm learning everything. Please pray I'll be a good steward of this for the next three years. And that's what education does. 
a great commission education, a great commandment culture, and people that think biblically, taking every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. And so Christian education uh, does education through the framework and the foundation and the filter of God's Word. And it does Christian education by reliance not upon our abilities, not upon our technology. And praise God for it. I'm always grateful for technology, although I don't understand any of it. I have to ask my two granddaughters, usually, how to operate it and to understand it. Uh, I, I've never yet figured out how to put an app on my phone yet, but praise the Lord, I got two granddaughters. It just, I give it to them, it's done. And, uh, but, so I don't understand all that, that's for sure. And I don't have to, I don't even try to rely on it. But here's what I do know, whether it's my preaching, teaching, or whether it's in a classroom, or wherever you are, we are utterly dependent and reliant upon the Holy Spirit to make us faithful, accurate, to make us faithful, accurate, clear, and by God's grace, productive, because only He can bring the fruit in the lives of those that are listening to them. Only He can give eyes to see and ears to hear. Oh yes, we can get an orderly and ought to have an orderly classroom. Oh yes, we ought to give you the best resources we can possibly do. But ultimately, the Spirit of God has got to take it home because the issue of education is to deal with the heart through the mind. The issue is the heart. Sin, the problem of the heart, the heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. The new heart comes from speaking to the mind, to the heart, Utterly reliant upon the Spirit of God. Don't you love it on the road to Emmaus where these confused disciples don't know what they, they got these women telling them he's resurrected, they got this, they got that, and they just, and Jesus is walking alongside of them. Peripatetic teaching is going on. And as he's walking alongside of them, he says, well, why are you so sad? And they start telling him everything. And he says, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained himself in all the scriptures. And these who were, this is what it says, who were slow of heart, had a burning heart. He op- Here's what it says. He opened their eyes, opened their mind, and opened their heart. Only he can do that. But let me tell you what you and I can do. We can open the scriptures and teach our discipline in our class from the sufficiency of God's infallible and inerrant word. And so you are fixed upon, you are framed by God's word as a Christian educator. You're reliant upon the spirit of God and you bring all the focus to Christ. And there, there you come to the focus point that they might fix their eyes upon Jesus. That Christ is preeminent in all things. And they have to be taught their need of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, and they have to be taught that Christ is their life. Christ is not an additive. Christ doesn't fill in the gaps. Christ is our life. To live is Christ. And then I would just uh, simply say a couple of things from this and then I'll close. So when you draw down this, I want to make just three comments for you to think about. And as I said, we'll close in prayer. Uh, The first one is this. Christian education. By the way, education, do not say education school. Education goes on in a family, a Sunday school, 
that goes on in, uh, uh, on a playing field. Education is going on all the time. That's one of, I have, I have a little quarrel here. Coach Curley, <laughs> I'll give it to you. And I know what we do. And I don't expect, I, mean, I shared this with Amy. We say, here's their curriculum, and then out here is their extracurricular. Well, I actually don't think out there is extracurricular, whether it's a choir or a um, football field or a baseball field. I think they're learning. I think they're doing some serious learning. I, I like to think of that as part of the curriculum because I do believe in peripatetic. I think you model and you mentor. If you think our greatest education goes on in the classroom, I've got news for you. They're watching us in the hall. They're watching us in life. And that what brings it home. As you walk by the wayside, as you live, educators not only do it by talking, but by walking. Not only mentor, but they model. And so as you walk with the Lord and think Christianly and begin to work in their life, remember this, Christian education is foundational to life. God's word is comprehensive. That's why the Great Commission tells us to what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, then what? Teaching them to pass a test. No, no. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not because their work saved them. It's because they need to know their Savior. And they need to know how to follow their Savior. And they need to live Dependent upon the Savior and lifting up the Savior. They need teachers. The Christian education is foundational to the Christian life. Secondly, Christian education is perpetual. It never stops. We never start. Here are the texts. Continue in what you've learned. Can I just mention my, I miss him every day, Dr. Barker. Whenever I would come in to the office and go by his to stop and see him, unless he was talking to somebody, there was always one of two things he was doing. He would either be reading or he'd be praying. Would you like to know how much I've learned about life from that? Not only what he taught about it, but what he did about it. But here's something I'll never forget. Infallibly, in very, and let me say this, uh, almost inevitably, he would look at me. Well, Harry, how's it going? Yeah, good. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What you been reading? What is it you think I need to be reading? You know the last time he asked me that? Three weeks before he died. What do I need to be reading? Great teachers never quit learning because they want their students to always learn. i got news for us. We're not only going to learn the rest of our life here. We're going to learn forever in eternity. Forever. And we'll never know him exhaustively. We can know him intimately. We can know him accurately. We've got plenty to learn forever. Thirdly and finally, Christian education is 
directional. You're pointing people to Jesus, not to you. I had a great moment in my life as a youth pastor. One of my pastors, who I was youth pastor for, came up to me one day and said, How's it going? I said, Pretty good. I think the kids like me. I said, He said, Well, I'm glad to hear that, but that's not why you're there. Don't confuse them liking you with them loving Jesus. That's why you're there. My success is not that I'm successful or I'm liked or I'm applauded. My success is to be faithful so that they know Jesus. Certainly be as likable as I can. (laughs) Speak the truth in love. But my objective, I got to remember, it's not about me. It's about them knowing him now and forever through a math class. Turn algebra into an evangelistic crusade. There are many of us who will thank the Lord for you. (laughs) That's what God can allow you to do. I've met such teachers, and I'm grateful to look out upon such teachers. I was sharing with Amy a book that I read recently. I highly commend it to you. It's called Black Dragon. It follows a rifle company and the Marines that fought through World War II. They were almost in every major engagement. And the guy that wrote it, who obviously had an interest in it, his name's Stephen McLeod. He's a good writer. And uh, he wrote me a note. Uh, he sent me the book and wrote me a note. It's a bestseller. You'd, you'd love to read it. But he said to me, he said, Harry, he said, uh, just follow this rifle company. And he said, let me tell you, don't, and when I tell you this, I'm summing up the book, but don't not read my book. And he said, uh, this company was just made up of some boys that were in the Marines in World War II. And they had a job to do, to win the war. And they went over there. And they put their mind to doing their job, win the war, and then get home. Win this war and get home. He said, here's what I want to tell you. Not all of them got back home living. He said, but they went to win that war. And I love this quote from him. Everyone went to win. And they went to win as one. That's what I pray for you. That we go to win for Christ as one. Because it's about him and those we teach, not us. We get poured out. And that's what fulfills us. And then we get to go home. And we get to praise God for the fruit he grants us. Lord, thank you for the moments that we could spend together. And thank you for the Jesus. Um, Thank you for all that uh, you do in our lives and through our lives. I want to thank you for every one of these very gifted people who love you. And their love for their students and their love for their calling. But yet we live in a sinful world. We got sin within us. We got sin outside of us. We got sin in the lives of those whom we're trying to teach. 
And we got all of the inadequacies of those who are around us, but give us the grace to love each other, function together, united by your word, your spirit, in the preeminence of Christ, to the glory of the Father, and that you might lead others to yourself and mature them for life through us, that their life is in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.